let's get it. Radically smaller commerce. You wanna test A B on your PDP? Pop up that AOV and your B2C. Do the 301, avoid the 404. Boost your SEO, get people to the store. Got the latest stack, headless, you react. You want that seamless customer experience attack. Live shopping social, set up your syndication. Be relevant, that's our recommendation. Radical Smarter Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with focus on smarter commerce and merchandising. We will talk about trends, new technology, and the importance of being relevant. We will do this by interviewing exciting guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights. And I'm your host, Thomas Sjöberg, and I will be joined by different colleagues here at Aptus depending on topic and guests. Welcome back to the Radically Smarter Commerce podcast. And today I have the pleasure of having a very special co-host, it's Michael McBerry, the CEO and co-founder of Aptus. So welcome, Misha, to the show. Thank you very much, Thomas. It's a pleasure to be here. And today we're going to talk to a really interesting guest uh, that I know that you have known for quite many years, right? Absolutely. And I know also that you are passionate about many of the things we are going to talk about today with findability, different strategies and ways when you work with merchandising. So I'm looking forward to to have your insights and what you want to talk about today. I look forward to that. And also, is this your first podcast? It actually is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let's do this. Today, we are very happy to have Albert Bettelson that has worked with Findability for IKEA for many years. So welcome to the Radically Smarter Commerce Podcast. Thank you very much, Thomas. And could you just start with telling us a bit about yourself and how you ended up working at IKEA with Findability? Well, uh, to make a long story short, uh, I've been working for many years uh, as a data analytics consultant and uh, building databases and whatnot and uh, I've always been fascinated by uh, by how computers can look through endless amounts of uh, information and find answers quickly and uh, I really wanted to to bring that to more people and that's how I started out this journey of this as an engineer and also as a product owner Okay, so was this position just uh, announced internally at IKEA, and you thought that oh, that's definitely for me? Or uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened. Um, uh, we have been sort of in a long-term uh, reorganization and uh, uh, development in how we work online, and uh, uh, this opportunity uh, start was coming up, and uh, I jumped on it. Okay, and. We mentioned findability, and I know that that's the term that you use at IKEA for the things that we're going to discuss today. So what is included in that in your world? It's quite a broad uh, term, uh, and it goes beyond uh, what a single team uh, would work with as well. So it includes uh, both uh, the traditional search box and a search result page, but it also includes uh, providing recommendations for the customer, and uh, it also relates heavily to uh, displaying category pages or topic pages that contains categories, uh, as well as navigation, of course, uh, to help the customer, facilitate the customer along the journey of uh, discovering things, finding things, and having a good time on the site. Yeah, so that falls very well into the area of product discovery that we are very passionate about uh, here in this show. And um, and Misha, 
uh, I know that you also have a lot of experience in this area and uh, have some specific topics that you would like us to go further into detail on. So uh, take it away. You know, I've had the pleasure of knowing and having worked with Albert for a very long time. And one of the topics that uh, I and Albert have talked a lot about is the topics of ranking and precision. You know, as soon as you talk about uh, findability, as soon as you talk about search results or category category page listings, product listings, the topic of ranking and precision comes up. So, Albert, can you te- can you tell us a little bit about your experiences and your definition of what ranking and precision is, but also your experiences of what should what should we focus on really? Yeah, I mean, of course, as usual, you can't ignore one thing totally. So both are important. Uh, but uh, in terms of definition, ranking is uh, what I would call the order in which you display items to your customer. And precision uh, is how you determine what items to display. And uh, uh, um, those two problems are, are very different. So ranking is a today uh, a fairly well understood uh, problem which has uh, a lot of fairly easy methods to uh, to solve uh, by looking at uh, how popular items are and so on our precision is uh, is a lot more difficult because the determination of what to display and not is uh, is frequently a very uh, a very up to discussion uh, thing based on the viewpoint of the customer uh, and also things that you don't display are very hard to, to gather knowledge about what the customer thinks about them uh, so as soon as you start not displaying things for the customer you, you, you get into a sort of a black hole of data uh, where you know less uh, then again of course you don't want to display a lot of things that are not relevant for the customers you need to, to find a balance there and um, I think that's uh, a really uh, interesting problem to to work on and, and solve. Yeah. And what is your experience in terms of what is? I, I understand that both are of course important in order to assure the the user experience. But in terms of metrics and uh, impact uh, on the business, what is what gives more impact according to your measurements and experiences, Albert? I would say that a really good result set in terms of precision displaying what is relevant uh, to the customer is uh, much more important than displaying it in the perfect order. Uh, basically, because there is no perfect order uh, for for an individual uh, customer. Um, so uh, uh, ranking is is nice. It gives you a convenience uh, to not needing to look through too many products um, however precision is the part that gives you happy customers that, that feel confident that i i could see all the relevant products uh, this was a good result that i liked what i saw but the question here is i mean you only have limited space on your website so uh, i mean even if you get the good precision if you have a selection of products maybe it's just going to be the five or ten or maybe 20 products that you actually see so if the ranking isn't good maybe you miss out on 
even if you have the precision right yeah that's um, i mean in, in the world where that we are moving towards where um, uh, the abundance of products is increasing every day i would say um uh, having good positioning is, of course, a factor, especially if you would be in sort of a uh, position where you compete against others in the same space. However, if you own the whole space, and uh, maybe that's not too common, but if you do, then the ranking is a little bit less important because uh, you know that uh, customers do want to have a good first impression of the search result you give them and if that is good they will likely look a little bit further if they didn't find exactly what they are looking for but it is a little bit of a trade-off cool cool you know another another topic that we often talked about albert is the topic of merchandising and searchandising mm-hmm. and Historically, I remember that we were often hit by the organization where people asked, you know, I want to merchandise the results so that this product ends up on position number three in the search result list if somebody searched for this and that, etc. So that's kind of the level of control people wanted to have. And, and we were just standing there nodding our heads. So can you tell a little bit about your experience of, of this kind of manual search, searchandising and merchandising? Merchandising and and what your view is on automated merchandising? Yeah, I think we've had that discussion for years, and uh, I think it actually started out not on the search result pages, but actually on category pages, uh, uh, and that's a sort of a more limited space and more controlled space, uh, and uh, seeing that. We have a limited set of of category pages. Uh, uh, I can understand people uh, that work with this have ideas on how they want it to appear and how they want it to look. But if you try to use that way of working, uh, you will soon find out that doing that very well is a lot of work. And um, that needs to be updated, maintained, and worst case, you need to update it in, in, in the weekend because of some external event or something. Um, uh, so, so the question is there, uh, how much can you limit that space and how much effort do you want to put into it? And also we need to question ourselves, is, is this something that we as humans are, are really good at? Looking at a lot of data, condensing all that data into something that is frequently updated and kept relevant. Um, I think uh, humans have, we have uh, uh, other things that we are better at. Uh, and there is so much to do, so so I wouldn't uh, be worried about uh, not having enough things to do. So I would li- rather leave the sort of the things like ranking that computers are really, really good at. Leave that to the computers and spend efforts in, in other places. And we have, yeah, uh, so many cases where we've seen this work uh, uh, a lot better when we when we automate it. Uh, uh, I think the, the case that you uh, hinted at here, when we want to have a detailed and exact uh, positioning of some items, that is. Uh, uh, really understandable from when you want to look at a, a page and see it beautiful. Uh, but if you want to see it from the customer perspective of finding what is uh, relevant 
uh, it doesn't work as well. So, I mean, there are a lot of things that change all the time. Um, uh, is your stock levels uh, the right for this position three? Can you actually sell it? Um, uh, has the customer looked at anything else previously, which would be relevant for, for this display uh, that would make you alter it? Uh, and so on and so on. It must be very difficult to personalize these pages if you're doing a lot of that manually, putting products on, on different uh, places and so on. Yeah, I think as soon as you go for a manual uh, uh, placement, personalization is, is something that you need to compromise on. So what has the journey been at IKEA around this, if you look back? A few years. It has been a <laughs> quite long journey. We've learned uh, a lot uh, ourselves uh, as well. So I mean, even though we've had this uh, very rational arguments for for why we would like to automate some things, uh, it took us a while to learn uh, both how to do it and uh, also it, it took us a while to really get really good statistics and good numbers that could indicate if one worked better or worse. So we've done a lot of experiments and a lot of testing to see what works in, in which places. So I think that one of the fundamental reasons for some people wanting to do a manual merchandising is that they think it performs better. And if it does that for, for you, uh, th then there is a, a point in doing that, uh, perhaps. Uh, but we saw in our testing that it it didn't improve uh, the the customer experience. So uh, so um, and that was pretty hard to test. Uh, it required a lot of sessions and a lot of test methodology to to realize this. And we also did tests where we actually uh, at some uh, times tried to make the results at a little bit worse on purpose, just to see how that was received by the customers to see what, what they thought about it. And um, that was pretty interesting um, as well. Yeah. I know that you have told me um, about some of the things you have done in order to be able to cope with all these hypotheses and gut feelings that different people <laughs> have about what should be shown. You know, everybody have a belly button and a gut feeling. Yeah. So... <laughs> So, uh, so, and uh, working with findability like you do, you are often hit with different hypotheses about if I put this there and if I put that there, uh, and if we have this rule or this or this logic, it's probably gonna uh, overperform or outperform the the current solution. So, what have you done to finally deal with that in such a large organization such as IKEA? Yeah, we we started out with building a framework for how we wanted to uh, to have a hypothesis driven development and actually test everything so that we could not counter an opinion with a different opinion uh, because that's kind of uh, a very pointless unfruitful <laughs> discussion to, to have yeah. exactly it's fruitless uh, so and we were also very transparent in the initial steps that if we are admitting that opinions should not rule this uh, and right now we don't know more uh, then we can sort of be very humble about good ideas coming in and we test everything uh, but as we have then progressed in that and done 
hundreds of A-B tests. Then we have also learned from this. Uh, and then, then you get to the point where you can have discussions where someone has an idea or an opinion and we can say, all right, but we have five previous tests that are very similar to this and they all point in the same direction. So this is a good idea we want to try more of. Or it's a idea that didn't work out the previous times. Is this something we could do in a different way? Because testing the same thing in a very similar way to what we did before is, is pointless. So we want to put our effort in areas where we think that we can find new knowledge and learn new things and do better things. Yeah, Albert, you mentioned that you have done a lot of testing, but uh, another question would be if you have done a lot of rapping, because we have a hip-hop theme of the podcast, and we usually ask our guests what name they would have if they were a rapper. I would go with something cryptic uh, that that would be sort of making sense for me, but perhaps not for so many else, uh, and just just cherish that that I would know what it meant and others wouldn't so but but i would uh go by the name of uh albert dmc or uh yeah uh, that i think some, something like that like a an acronym uh where i could have uh, my own interpretation of what i meant okay dmc or test ab perhaps exactly ab <laughs> ab admc abdmc yeah that would that's Flows well. <laughs> what about you, Misha? Do you have a rapper name? Uh, isn't Misha a rapper name already? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> da Misha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go for that. Let's get it. Radically smarter commerce. You want to test AB on your PDP. So, I mean, you mentioned that you have done a lot of testing. So, was there any results that uh, really surprised you? Yeah, we've had a few eye openers. Um, uh, so, for example, we've tried uh, uh, putting some uh, some uh, filter controls uh, in in very obvious places to encourage the usage of that. And, and uh, even though we could see then that 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 actually happens, um, we also noticed that that didn't make the customers happier. So uh, we realized that uh, what what people have started to expect from a search experience is is not so much uh, that there are tons of options after a search result. They actually expect that the, the initial search results should be pretty good. Uh, otherwise, they are disappointed. And um, disappointment leads to less engagement, and less engagement is uh, is not good for your e-commerce business. So, um, um, so even though some features have have been asked for like that to make some UI f functions very prominent and visible. Uh, we have avoided that to a large extent. So what you're really saying is that you cannot address deficiencies in precision by adding filtering. No, exactly. That's uh, That doesn't work very well. Uh, we see that filtering and sorting, uh, while good for a very select few customers, for the vast majority is not the solution to better user experience. Yeah. Uh, generally, what we have seen is that uh, it is less than 5% of all sessions that, that use the sorting options at all. Uh, filtering is a little bit more, but, but uh, it, is, uh, it, it is an eye-opener, absolutely. All right, so we have talked about search, we have talked about ranking. Um, I mean, you work with a lot of 
aesthetic products when it comes to furniture and so on and, and lighting. So are you doing anything when it comes to visual search or visual recommendation based on uh, what the product looks like and what could be a good fit based on the appearance? Uh, yes, there is actually a sister team to, to the search team, uh, which is uh, looking at uh, visual similarity uh, and also that can uh, analyze uh, uh, photographs and try to find products in it. Uh, so we can try that out on our site. Uh, I recommend it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a part of uh, of helping the customer in those decisions where they feel that they've found something that is almost right, but not quite right. Uh, that is where similar items and visually similarity similar items are are very interesting, of course, to help the customer find exactly what they're looking for so that they feel happy. Have you done some testing in this area as well, comparing that with other ways of doing product recommendations? Uh, yes, um, we we have actually multiple ways and multiple al algorithms that we present to the customer uh, on our product pages. Um, so there are all kinds of variations from uh, uh, similarity based on being in the same product category and looking reasonably similar um, uh, but also similar in the sense of stuff that fits in the same area or has a perhaps has a sort of similar visual appearance without being the same thing so it could be something that uh, if you're looking at something made out of wood uh, seeing something else that is made out of the same type of wood uh, that would be a good combination, perhaps. Oh, and I know that you have been doing this for quite some time at IKEA, and you're actually moving on to a new position. But uh, looking back, what things are you the most proud of, uh, of what you have done uh, in these years you worked with Findability at IKEA? Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm super happy for, uh, for the team that is still there, uh, how they uh, uh, really sort of grasped nuances of this problem because it is a very big problem area and how they uh, took on the challenge uh, very humbly of, uh, of trying to sort of understand the customer. And, uh, uh, and I think that's, uh, that's what I love from this area as well. It's one of the few places where you're not giving a limited set of options to the customer. It's fantastic that they can just think of something and type that so that you get that information. Um, it's, um, it's a very, very interesting world you get into when, uh, when you see what uh, people can think of and how they express it. Um, that's uh, fascinating. And the team has really worked on every nuance of this and um, dug forever deeper in, in understanding our customers. And uh, I, I don't think that will ever continue. It's a fascinating area because humans are so complex. So if you try to understand humans, you're in, you're in a good job position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with you, Albert. Now, one of the things that we see as, the, as one of the biggest challenges, but also one of the most exciting challenges is to put the human touch on discovery on product discovery and kind of try to help guide, advise and inspire users the way a human uh, shopping assistant would. Uh, now, 
what's next in this space of findability if you look into the future what do you see coming and where do you where do you see us going oh wow that's a good question it depends a lot on the time scale of course um i think that um there is a lot of uh, industry uh, movements around uh, uh, natural language processing um and there has been uh, a lot of uh, articles and uh, research and development on this and i think that for some types of applications perhaps especially when you have uh, uh voice interfaces that that will be a very interesting track um but for for a lot of the developments that are here and now um uh i don't foresee nlp to be the sort of catch all solution in in the near term uh i think that we will perhaps gradually move to a to some kind of hybrid between keyword matching and nlp uh for understanding the search terms um uh but but the reason for this i think is that uh it's it's not that simple that you can sort of deduce from a sentence that the, of what the customer is saying that you can say that i understand exactly what this person means uh because even two humans speaking uh cannot claim that even perhaps having years of background and understanding the context and understanding knowing the human you might still not be able to to uh, assert that from from hearing a sentence so um uh so i think that uh there is a lot of vagueness uh in this and uh that is where you need to have this human touch on uh, how to find relevant things from a from a multitude of possibilities uh rather than viewing a single person as something that can be in one sentence understood yeah so that's why i i see a hybrid approach perhaps in the future with uh nlp and uh, uh keyword matching and i also think that there will be other elements to this uh like um uh, analyzing uh, image data uh, a lot more uh when trying to learn about the product catalog that is available and how to understand that and um see how that matches what the customer is expecting yeah picture says more than a thousand words right exactly <laughs> and i mean you have been working within this field for for many years now and uh, done a lot of testing in this area but for someone that has a big e-commerce site and haven't worked with automated merchandising that much yet do you have any tips for them how they can start working with this and improve the findability on their site yeah i mean if you have a if you have anything that is more complicated than uh, sort of a, a small seller based uh, e-commerce solution if you have more than a few hundred products and, uh, and more than a few thousand customers uh then you can just look at the sort of simple amount of combinations of how you would like to address those persons that are visiting your site and um uh then you will realize that you need something that has at least a touch of smartness uh i think you can uh, go to to different amounts of lengths um uh, uh, when working with that but you need to have a a fairly structured approach on how you learn what your customers uh want 
and how you can present that to them. And uh, if you don't feel that you want to invest uh, a lot of time and effort into this, then you need to uh, to work with someone who who has done that, um, because it's a it's a very dynamic world world. So uh, so it moves around all the time, and uh, it's not a one time thing that you can sort of arrive at a conclusion which is true, uh, and then that conclusion holds true forever. So uh, you need to put something in place that can uh, do this over time. I think that's uh, that's a key learning from this. Something that also can act on uh, on events without you doing anything, because otherwise you will be in this constant uh, uh, manual work yourself uh, to do all these updates. Yeah, then you need to uh, subscribe to all the Instagram accounts with the influencers and, you know, scroll through that uh, all day long in order to <laughs> find what's happening in the market, right? Exactly. Uh, and you need to know your inventory and you need to know uh, what's the local holidays in every market you're operating in and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lot of work. Thank you, Albert, for those insights. Uh, I think we have learned a lot of interesting things today. And I uh, want to thank you for being on the show and uh, good luck in the future. Thank you for having me. Take care, Albert. Talk to you soon. Bye. To be up to date with podcast-related matters, follow our LinkedIn page. And if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests, please join our Facebook group as well. Just search for Radicalist Motor Commerce and you will find us. And of course, if you want to contact me directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. My name is Thomas Sjöberg. You find the podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast and Acast, as well as at radicalismotorcommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast. It helps us find new listeners. And you can also follow Aptus at LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.